Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of practical leadership. In the most daily routine of ministry, leaders are meeting the spiritual needs of people, being effective and faithful to Jesus. The lay pastor, Alan Redpath, told of a lady that had a motto over her kitchen sink as read as follows. Divine service is conducted here three times daily. This is the type of industry that Jesus honors. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What do you call an employee who continues to disobey his or her boss? How about unemployed? Today, Pastor Xavier explores the simple truths of God's mandate for leadership within the body of Christ. Let's join him now in the book of Hebrews for the final message in our study series with a lesson titled, Biblical Submission to Leadership. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And so the command to obey the leaders of the church is characterized by the following here in verse 17. Let me read the verse. He says, Obey those who have the rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The command to obey the leaders of the church is characterized, first of all, by the uncompromising exhortation in the first portion. Secondly, by the uncompromising administration. And then thirdly, the uncompromising acquisition. One, two, three. What a way to finish this epistle with the authority that God has vested to the church through the men in a scriptural and honorable way. First, the uncompromising exhortation. Listen to the words. Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive. The command is a call to change their minds. One word. Obey. Obedience is the foundation of the Christian life. In fact, obedience is the evidence of a true loving son and daughter. You as a parent. If your sons and daughters obey you, that's the greatest thing, right? The same with spiritual children. These were the men of the church who God had called anointed and raised up. So it's not submission to anybody. The word rule means those who are leaders and elders in the church. These Hebrew Christians were resisting the leaders by wanting to return to the law, to the animal sacrifices. They would be opposing the leaders, teaching about the person of Jesus. They would be denying the work of Jesus that the teachers were confirming. They would be encouraging others to oppose the leaders by their example. They would, in effect, be opposing the ultimate leader in authority, Jesus Christ. Notice, secondly, the uncompromising administration. So he goes from the problem people to the leadership, those appointed. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. The care of the rulers is for the souls of people. Mark that well. For they watch for your souls. The rulers and leaders had a responsibility to be spiritually vigilant 
The word watch means to be sleepless, indicating their sober-mindedness over the oversight. It is most interesting to me, as I looked up this word, that three of the four times this word appears in the New Testament, it is directly associated with prayer and the return of Jesus Christ. The fourth time that we find here in our text is also associated with prayer. Notice the very next verse. Paul asked for prayer as a leader to live in good conscience and honorably. That's good. So because he's honorable, because he's obedient to the Lord, then he continues to pray, I want to be living with a good conscience. Pray for me. I'll be watchful. Pretty good, huh? No one can be spiritually vigilant without prayer, particularly leaders. Rulers and leaders are watching over their souls, the souls of the people. This is the reason why the Hebrew Christians are to obey those who rule over them and to be in submission, not in rebellion. The word soul, as you know, suki, refers to the seat of affections, emotions, intellect, and the will. The spirit and soul is that which will live forever. The body goes back to the ground, to dust. Strong's Concordance says about the soul the following. The human soul is so far as it is constituted, can by the right use of aids afforded by God, can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness regarded as the moral being designed for everlasting life, not like the body that goes back to the dust at death. So God is interested in my soul. That I be alive, that I be obedient, that I be growing, that I be mature, that I be glorifying Him. Those who have submitted their lives to Jesus as Lord and Savior, they had come at a set time to bow their knee to Jesus. They used to be rebellious to Jesus. Now they're not. But now they're thinking of going back. They're going back to rebellion. They recognize the authority of Jesus over their lives as Creator and Savior. But now they're saying, maybe not. They were now to do the same to these church leaders. Submit. Quit resisting. They're appointed. They were to recognize their authority for their good as overseers of their spiritual lives. Notice the caution of the rulers. Is their personal accountability to God for the souls of the people as those who must give an account. Or Hebrew Christians were to understand not only the grave responsibility of these rulers regarding the souls of those in the church body, but their ultimate accountability to God one day. So he wants the rebellious to think about it and to put themselves in their position of leadership. Put yourself in their position. You would have to give an account for all of them. They have to give an account for you, and you're rebellious. Now, you're a parent. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Your kid thinks you're horrible. But you know better. They were to try and to put themselves in their place. They were to sense the heavy weight they carried on their shoulders or their oversight. They were to see that one day these rulers would have to give an account to Jesus for all they did, all they said, and how they exercised that authority. 
And so these Hebrew Christians were to trust God. That this twofold reason would keep these leaders on track with God because they were called faithful men of God. How do you know they are? By the scriptures. If you know the word of God, you watch their lives. Watch what they teach. Listen to what they hear. Examine everything. Now, don't be critical. There's a lot of critical people that every little thing. Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Walk around and follow me for two minutes. I can apologize for a mistake, and I will, but I should never have to apologize for doing something unscripturally. You understand? That I deal with policy scripturally. I may have to apologize because I didn't have all the information or whatever it may be, and I will do so, but never for not doing it biblically. We've got no excuse. The late pastor, Alan Redpath, told of a lady that he knew had a motto over her kitchen. Read as follows. Divine service is conducted here three times daily. <laughs> this is the type of industry that Jesus honors. In the most daily routine of ministry, leaders are meeting the spiritual needs of people, being effective and faithful to Jesus. People don't understand that. Now, there are a lot of bad. There are a lot of good. The calling of God on a person's life to lead and exercise authority over the people of God should not be entered into lightly, even as marriage. Okay? You're familiar with 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Listen. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires... A good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, one woman at a time. That means if she dies, you can get another one, but not if she doesn't die. If you don't divorce her, you don't get another one, okay? Temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetousness, uh, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission and all reverence, for if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into the reproach and the snare of the devil. Pretty heavy qualifications. Okay? The qualification is the family. Not an education. Not the degrees. Not how many books you've written. Not how many people know you. Not how big your budget is. <laughs> the man who calls himself is a fool. He thinks he can care for the souls of people in his own wisdom. The man who calls himself is adding to his own hurt and the people. The man who calls himself will eventually abuse the people. Even men who are called can deviate. How much more one who's not called? The calling of God on a person's life is with God's full authority. Listen to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves as being of ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And he's contrasting the Old and the New Testament, but the bottom line is says we're not sufficient except by the Spirit of God who calls and anoints us, okay? Knowing they are called, knowing their gifts, 
knowing they're anointed and knowing they're sent and knowing that one day they're going to have to give an account for all they administer within the church of Jesus Christ. You know what it's called? Listen, godly fear. The church has lost that. Leaders have lost that. The Lord Jesus is resorting to the restoration of Peter. You're familiar with him in John 21. And he asks him three times, do you love me, Peter? And he uses a different word, agape, and, and Peter goes back, phileo, this and that, so on and so forth. And he says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Lambs, tender, young, sheep. And then sheep, adult ones, makes a distinction. He uses feed twice, and then he uses the second word, which is ten, which means pastor to tend, to guide, to oversee, to protect. The shepherd is there to protect the flock of God. From who? From heresy, from people coming in to rip you off. We don't let no one approach you with business cards. We don't let nobody beg from you. And if we, you do, we want you to tell us. We want you to feel comfortable here. We don't pressure you for money. We don't burden you with things. We don't want other people to burden you. We want you to be sensitive to one another, love one another. And if God leads you to do something for some people, fine. But when it becomes a compulsion or a begging or entrapment, no. That's not the spirit of the Lord. And so we're here for your good, for your benefit, even as you as parents are for your children. The example is throughout the scriptures. You know that. Paul the apostle, as he meets with the Ephesian elders for the last time in Acts chapter 20, uh, he tells them, you know, I've been with you for three years, three and a half years. I've prayed with you. I've cried with you. I've gone from house to house. I've taught you publicly, privately. I, I've never ripped you off for any money. If, you, if I did, let me know right now. And he finishes off in Acts 20, 26 to 28. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And he warns them, some of you are going to rise up and bring disciples to yourself and teach heresy. Pretty heavy. The first and second epistle of Timothy proves that prophecy to be true. As some were teaching false doctrine and bringing divisions and rebellion. A good group of them were women in the pastoral epistles. We've gone through it. Remember. Peter says in his first epistle, chapter 5, verse 2 through 4, that we as shepherds are under shepherds of the ultimate chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And he will reward us when he returns. We're not to feed the flock of God by constraint or for filthy lucre or money. We're not to scatter the flock like the shepherds that are in the Old Testament, the idol shepherds in Jeremiah 23, 1 through 6, uh, Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10. And there are people, pastors today, who are just fleecing the flock of God. I get letters all the time. They're begging me for money. They tell me how good God is, how rich he is, and that God told them to write me to give them $1,000. Right. We don't allow letters to go out from here. We don't send letters to nobody. And the letters I get, they're begging. I throw them away. You know why? Because the Bible says, you ask God. I'm not God. Ask God for money. Don't ask me. We go to the closet. We pray to God. And God provides. That's between you and God. I teach you the word of God, and God, God's your Lord. Not me. Listen to Isaiah 40, verse 11. The authority should be after the example of the love of God. And he will feed his flock like a shepherd. 
He will gather his lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead them to those who are young. That's us. That's what we were to do it. It's a caution. It's a warning. It's a constant exhortation to those who are in leadership. And so Paul was, even as I opened up in the epistle, here in the, in the sermon this morning, I'll, I'm being spent and gladly will be spent, but the more I love you, the less you love me, he tells the Corinthians. How about Ezekiel chapter 3, chapter 33, the watchman who warns, but the people are deaf. Mm. The uncompromising administration. People are not to try to intimidate leadership, and leadership cannot be intimidated by the people. You understand? Let's both be biblical. Let's make a biblical merge in marriage from the pew to the pulpit. God gets all the glory. Notice third and last, the uncompromising acquisition. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. First, the common sense submission of the people would benefit the rulers and leaders. And what? Their call. Let them do it with joy and not with grief. They were to allow the leadership to function in their appointed responsibilities without, listen, their opposition. Real simple. This would result in the evidence of joy in the lives of the leaders, the fruit of the Spirit. I commend you. I, I, I enjoy ministry here. I commend you for your servanthood. I commend you for obedience to the Lord. I don't have a heavy burden like other pastors. I don't wake up Monday morning, oh, I don't know why I served those rats. I'm just I'm going to quit tomorrow. I enjoy the ministry. You're not a burden to me. This would nurture good, loving relationship between the people and the leaders. Submit so they do it with joy. A good relationship. This would allow the leaders time to do and to handle the things that were really important and have priorities. Too often people take away from the ministry of people who really need the need. There are some people who are just very self-centered. They're the squeaky wheel. Every time you turn around, they're there. You may have a legitimate need, but be sensitive. They were not to allow the leadership to function apart from this attitude. They were to allow the leadership to function and their appointed responsibility, listen, not with grief, but with joy. A rebellious church just to what is biblical only burdens the leadership, making the community life more difficult, having to rule with groanings. The word grief means groanings. It's bad enough if the watchman fails to sound the warning. But worse, if the people do not heed the warning because they're spiritually deaf being self-willed. Notice the lack of common sense submission by the people would be a deterrent to them. For that would be unprofitable for you. The leaders would be very defensive towards the people. It would be a gas and fire relationship. We've all experienced relationships like that, right? Before they even say that, wait, 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 wait. The leaders would not be motivated to feed the flock of God. I'll throw you some crumbs. I'll put 20 hours in the study. Forget it. I'll just warm this thing up. No love, no relationship. The leaders could get bitter and distant from the people. The leaders would not be loving towards the people. The obedient church to the teaching of leadership receives the benefit of the leadership and the leadership the benefit of the obedient church it's a two-way street people and i thank you for being your pastor 
It's a privilege to be your pastor. The word unprofitable means hurtful or injurious. The word appears only this one time here in the New Testament. It's believed to be a word of commerce. There, there's, a, there's a loss that goes on. You've lost money. They would lack the profit benefit. They would lack the proper care. They would lack the bond of love. They would lack the bond of peace. They would lack the oneness of unity. If there's that fire and gas relationship. You understand? I can find no greater example than the submission and obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ to the Father and to death. As horrible, as painful, and agonizing as was, he knew it was biblical, it was right and necessary, and he followed it unto death, Philippians 2. There are things in my life I look back, and man, I just fought, I kicked, I threatened God. I look back and I go, thank you, Jesus, that I submitted. Because that did more for me in my spiritual life than anything else. The days of Nehemiah were those of difficulties and hardship, as you know. In chapter 4, verse 6, it says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half of the height, for the people had a mind to work. And they were divided the portions of families working hand in hand. Each There was no gap. Everybody's working together. Difficulty, hard, submissive, obedient to the standard of the scriptures, not beyond them. For the efficiency of doing the work of God in the spiritual life maturing. Do you want to stay the way you are the rest of your life? I want to grow. With God-sent leaders, God's purposes will be accomplished. If they walk in the spirit and obedience. With godly submissive people, God is glorified. The work of God will be accomplished despite the obstacles and the difficulties. If there's that understanding from the pulpit and the pew, from leaders in the congregation. The standard is the word of God. The authority is God's. You remember the day of Moses, book of Exodus, Numbers, you can go through there. There were both joyous times and grievous times, right? It got out of Egypt, boy, so joyous. Oh, they walk across the Red Sea. Oh, man, the tambourines dancing, man. They strike up a new song just like that. A couple of days later, <laughs> we're thirsty. You bring us out here to die? When, when things go, go, it's great. It's like marriage. When marriage is good, it is so good. But when it's bad, it is bad. It's all a matter of choice, isn't it? When the people were obedient and submissive, all went well. When the people were rebellious, it was bad. In fact, one day, you know, Moses misrepresented God. He struck the rock, gave him the drink. But the second time, Moses went, what must I do, you rebellious children? Strike this rock to give you the drink? God told Moses to go talk to the rock. And he messed up the typology of Jesus. He only has to be struck on the cross once. He hit the rock more than once. He says, Mo, come here. What did I tell you to do? Speak to the rock. Well, why'd you hit it for? You made the people believe that I was mad at the people. I wasn't mad at the people. You're mad at the people. And you make them think that I'm mad at them. You abuse your authority. Guess what? You're not going in the promised land. Pretty heavy, isn't it? Seeking God. Being a servant. That's what it's all about. And so the uncompromising acquisition. What happens? You receive the maximum benefit. The command to obey the leaders of the church is characterized by the uncompromising exhortation the uncompromising administration, and the uncompromising acquisition. What a way to finish this letter. That is so good. It's like filling a bottle up and putting the cork in it. It's ready to go. Great stuff. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and the powerful conclusion of our study series of the book of Hebrews. Now, today's message, Biblical Submission to Leadership, is available on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything that Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So, once again, the title to ask for is Biblical Submission to Leadership, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Well, hope you tune in right here at the same time and channel for the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com